Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Clemente Lisi, journalism professor and soccer aficionado. He's written a book about the World Cup. We'll hear about that as well as just a general interview. He's a journalism professor, so interviewing a journalism professor, or perhaps he was interviewing me, as I say, but enjoyed it very much. He had me at Clemente. I hope you'll enjoy this as well, but thanks to sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Tops, Panini, and Upper Decks. I hope you enjoy the interview. People think I'm named after Roberto, but I'm not. <laughs> there had to be some influence, didn't there? Born shortly after he... No, my grandfather had the same name, and my parents are immigrants from Italy. And Italy is actually a first name. Really? Total coincidence. But the only baseball jersey I own is a Roberto Clemente jersey because that was given to me by a friend. I wear that all the time. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you had me at Clemente. <laughs> yeah. His life is worthy of study. Yeah, I was always a believer that they, the league should retire his number along with Becky Robinson's together. You'd get my vote. <laughs> yeah, given his humanitarian efforts, how he died and all that too. So Yeah. I don't think they make a big deal about his faith. He probably was Catholic. Yeah. Very misunderstood in so many respects. And the same with Jackie Robinson. The whole idea of journalism, if you're really a good journalist, you're able to see more than one side of an issue. And I think something's been lost in journalism. Oh, absolutely. Recently, in in spite of what your worldview is, your own innate worldview, whether it's religious or political, to not be able to articulate what the other side or people that disagree with you, what they're thinking, or to do it as such a straw man that is easily blown away is not just disingenuous, it's dishonest. You don't have to apologize for your starting point. But I'm assuming King's College doesn't do that. In a lot of ways, we're a throwback old school. Liberal arts is a throwback. Yeah, that's the core, exactly. That's a good foundation for then whatever you want to build upon. Even though students end up working everywhere, New York Times, BuzzFeed, Newsweek, left, right, center. Unfortunately, the media is more fragmented now because everyone's speaking to their own audiences. It's all very niche market. It's all about subscribers or who's got your newsletter. Unfortunately, newspapers are dying. I grew up in newspapers. I grew up in New York City with... At the time, we had four newspapers, New York Newsday, in addition to the three others. It was a wonderful time to be a kid and have to get the paper to know, hey, did the Angels win last night? Because that was a late game. I didn't grow up with cable TV, so I didn't have Sports Center as a teenager. That's all gone now with phones and apps, and technology's done a lot of really good. But also, for those of us who remember the pre-digital age, there's a lot to reminisce about and nostalgic a little bit. Do you think sports and card collecting flies over the top of that? Because there's not a lot of political intrigue or conspiracy theories in sports. At the end of the day, who's hitting home runs and who's striking out, who's scoring goals, who's letting them in. It's meritocracy that in some sense seems fair. When it's not fair, then people really get up in arms. But I think when you have statistics, that's your background. I think business journalism has that advantage as well in sports, but everything else, there's a lot of gray. So you could then slant it any way you want. I totally agree with you. But I do think those two things, the hobby and sports do fly a little bit over that. I think a lot of people join the hobby or want to be part of the hobby to escape from some of the daily realities too. So we're saying, is the hobby not susceptible to post-truth? Has it always been there? That in sports, when you have this hero worship and you're a fan of somebody, you have your own truth. And so truth is defined differently in the current culture than it would have been a hundred years ago. And yet even a hundred years ago, to say that Babe Ruth was better than Ty Cobb or Hornsby or Honest Wagner or something, that always was in the realm of opinion, even though there were statistics to back. And so if I think of the post-truth culture we're in now, 
when people say, well, that's just your truth, it's like your opinion. So opinion and truth have come to be not synonymous because truth adds an additional claim to it that's overreach, I think. But Clemente, not your namesake, okay, but your name, he did not hit as many home runs as Hank Aaron or Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle. And yet he could have hit a lot more home runs sure. if he'd been in a different ballpark. Right. Willie Mays could have hit more home runs if he'd been in a different ballpark, or at least the first half of his career. So it adds to the nuance of the story. And coming back to your journalism thing, it's what makes the hobby really interesting. And soccer, this beautiful game, it's hard to say that somebody's better than another. Right. They don't necessarily have one-on-ones, although they occasionally do. So again, without politicizing, it's not a bad thing that we can have these discussions about who's better and all that. In the culture wars, though, it becomes really toxic. And I hope it never gets that way in the industry. So how are you helping your students to be able to see both sides? And is there any applicability to the hobby when people get so strident in their way is the only way? Well, sports is maybe unique in that it welcomes debate and people still want to debate. And you're right, the my truth and opinion, that's a whole other thing. But I grew up watching, really loving Joe Montana. Yeah, at some point, the statistics show that Tom Brady is a better quarterback, better numbers, more Super Bowls. But in my mind, I still want to make the argument that maybe Joe Montana is the better quarterback. And we could have that debate. And there's no right or wrong in the end. Yes, statistics may show that one is better. And the other side may have to concede that. But the beauty of sports, I think, is to argue, was that an out? Was he safe at the plate? Even soccer now with the instant replay, there's still lots of debate. That was the fear when VAR came into soccer. Oh, the beauty of soccer is the nuance and the arguing, Diego Maradona's handball, all that stuff. And we could argue about it all we want. Yeah, that was a handball. But it's also one of the most admired goals ever because it was cunning and all that stuff. There's a story behind it. Yeah, with my students, I think the important thing is I always tell them you have to get out of your comfort zone. You might have grown up in a more conservative home, in a more progressive home, liberal home, politically, religiously, whatever that is. But when they're in New York City, you have to go out and interact with many different people. A lot of journalism today is, frankly, lazy. They don't talk to people. They don't interview people. They don't go to places. Everyone is basically at home or in an office on a computer looking at Twitter all day. And I tell people Twitter isn't the real world. And I think the hobby has learned that, too, in terms of when I talk to other collectors. They all worry, oh, look at this guy. He's on Instagram. Look at this guy on Twitter. I'm like, look, those are the loudest voices getting the most attention. It's not the majority of the people because I've spoken to lots of people and they don't reflect what I see often on Twitter and on Facebook and other social media platforms. And really the game changer in journalism has been social media for a negative, I think. But again, it's redefined journalism. Sure. It just posts truth. Journalism is just saying whatever you want to say. It's not about fact checking because facts even are not, almost not facts anymore. And having a source, what is the source? The source itself is suspect in some respects. Let's just talk about Joe Montana against Tom Brady. You, I think, caved too easily. Montana was also a winner. In the majority of opportunities he had, he came out on top. He also had the benefit of outstanding coaching. Coaches, in some cases, that were ahead of their time, as Brady did. Also had a number of teammates who were legendary. And if you flip those two, you put Brady in the 49er and Chiefs system, back in the, whatever it is, 80s and 90s, or put Montana in with Belichick, with the Patriots, and now the Bucks, they both would have had great success. But Brady was in a different system. And what he's done is astounding, to be at the pinnacle of a team sport that is ultra competitive. He's in the first rank, but to say he's the best ever, again, that's what sports are all about. By the statistics, but you put Brady behind a terrible offensive line and you know what you got? 
you still got a lot of Tom Brady getting rid of the ball pretty fast and making good decisions. That defeats that notion too. Tom Brady had the benefit of longevity. I see that a lot with soccer players like Messi and Ronaldo. They've just been around a long time. And when you have that much time to, to rack up statistics, it helps as opposed to a shortened career, maybe injury prone, different styles of play. There's always the argument you can't compare players from different eras. You've heard that. We do it anyway, of course, because that's the fun of it. Okay. Um, Let's stay with Brady for just a minute. I think most of the listeners will be more familiar with Tom Brady than they will be even <laughs> Messi or Ronaldo or any of these other guys. But Brady had an, a knack for not putting himself in position to be injured. And I know that he just took a dive or took a fall, but he did not put himself out there to where he would be hit awkwardly. He stood tall in the pocket and all that. Is there an equivalent in soccer that some of these great players that we're talking about, it's not that their knees are stronger or their ankles are stronger necessarily, but they don't put themselves in situations where they could have a career-ending injury. That's very difficult in soccer to avoid contact like it is in football. But I do think Tom Brady, and the only soccer equivalent I think there is to him in terms of how he took care of his body. I think Tom Brady does a really good job with nutrition and fitness and personal health gurus and all that stuff that didn't have that 20 years ago. And I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who did spend a few years in the MLS, same thing. He's in his 40s now, a physical specimen, has a personal trainer, is constantly worried about his physique, you know, about his health and his diet. Just didn't see that 20 or 30 years ago. Guys would just go out drinking and then go to the game the next day. I remember as a kid listening to the Yankee game and, and Phil Reduto was one of my favorite announcers. And and they were talking about the players in the 80s and how big they were and all that. And Phil Rizzuto basically admitted on the air, we never lifted a weight in the offseason. Like we we did, did it anyway. But he just, we did nothing in the offseason. We just hung out with our wives, went out. And then when spring training came, we started doing that again. You just don't see that anymore where players are just gorging on the offseason and then focusing on the season. I think they're constantly thinking of themselves, their body, their physique. And I think that has also helped Tom Brady a lot. Because every year we think he's going to retire and boom, he's back. From the sports I've played and what I've observed over the years is that I think you could strengthen your ankles such that with someone that is not in shape, is not well-trained, a highly trained athlete, could sprain an ankle and it wouldn't be a serious sprain because they have whatever ankle flexibility or uh, stuff like that. Um, whereas someone else, it would just take them out and they'd be out for a long time. And so I believe all these soccer players have, and football players too, and basketball players for sure, coming down wrong, that happens. Yes. If it happens to somebody that doesn't play very often, they're going to be limping for a long time. Right. Basketball players get retaped and are back out there. And so soccer is probably like that too. Yeah. However, I think knees are not the same. So is there an unwritten code within soccer that you don't go take out the player's knee? Unwritten. Look, I think it was unwritten at the time, but I think in the last two or three decades, the refereeing has gotten better in that the aim is to protect the attacking players because defenders in the 80s and 90s were pretty tough and hard. There's one Dutch player, Marco van Basten, his career ended at age 32 because of all the injuries. So now referees will make those calls. So there's more punishment. It's weighted towards the attacker because soccer, like many other sports, yeah. scoring goals and right. You can't have guys hacking other guys down. And so the refereeing has gotten better. There's instant replay now. These things are not tolerated like they were in the 80s. If you watch Diego Maradona's career, the man was hobbled by the end of it. When you look at players today who play into their late 30s, you just don't see that. I think sports medicine has also gotten better. Yeah. And so there's also that. So there's a lot of different factors. Again, comparing different eras is difficult, but I think they've done a long way in soccer, especially at the international level, to protect the attacking players more because they're the ones who got the most injuries because the defenders are the ones trying to stop them. Okay. Well, since I'm with a professor, I'll get philosophical here. So people think, and you're a card collector, people think that dynamic, exciting element about 
collecting cards is the rookie cards, the young players. But I think just with you here as a fellow professor, I think I can make a case for the fact that longevity is a really big deal. Because if there is not the promise in soccer or hockey or baseball, basketball, football, that someone could have a long and successful and hopefully injury-free career to be all that they can be, then it's so highly speculative, it wouldn't be fun. We've got Fernando Tatis, perhaps a self-inflicted wound, but still the threat to longevity of career. And so what we're talking about with soccer, if Ronaldo had been crippled or had some debilitating injury 10 years ago, they're building up their legendary status. Like you said, of all these guys, they need to be healthy. It's the sports medicine, it's the rules. And that is a big part, I think, of what's driving the hobby. Roberto Clemente, he went out uh, untimely death in many respects, but he had a 3,000 hit career, went out on top on a humanitarian mission. But the legend of Roberto Clemente is not a five-year legend, although he did have some injuries in the 50s that were difficult, that he overcame back problems. So he really did. You make a good point on that. When you were saying that about longevity, all I kept thinking about was I'm also a hockey card collector and everyone loves that 7980 Wayne Gretzky rookie card, but that set also has Gordy Howe and Bobby Hull's final card. I love those cards. And those have some worth because those guys are pretty old for hockey. You don't see that much anymore. To bring it full circle, I agree with you. The hobby has a speculative nature, the idea of speculating on a young player or talking well, about... Well, again, or is not necessarily the Mickey Mantle of hockey, or came and took the league by storm, changed the orientation of the game and the positional structure and all that. Right. But he was injured and he was a shadow of his former self toward the end. Whereas a lot of these hockey guys get 20 years of career or barely got 10 good years. I don't want a sport that is so protective that you can't tackle Tom Brady. It's touch football for Tom. You got to get two hands on him, but you can't tackle him or hurt him in any way. That's not right. It's still a tough game, but to really do what you can to prevent injuries in baseball, football, basketball, hockey, NASCAR, soccer, everything. You want to make the sport safe. Otherwise, people, they're not going to want their kids to. The man in the house of cards. The man in the house of cards.